0: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.
1: Ah, uh, yes indeed, a very good evening to you, and welcome to the Maccas run for your Monday night on the 12th of August. I hope you had as good a day as you possibly can, however you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in. It is just great to have you on board. The Mac has run all about you having your say on the news of the day. You can do that. Uh, on the Harcourts open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Your move, your Harcourts for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourts for all things sport. Uh, speak to me, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us. You can always text us on the Temper 40 Winks text line, zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. 98 16 Consumer choice winner, Temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. How good does that sound? We do it all for Maccas, of course. You can score a one-in-four chance to win the Monopoly game at Maccas, another phenomenal round, uh, finals round of footy, semi-final round. I would say, I would say that without over-exaggerating, five out of the six have been absolute crackers uh, in this final series. And the sixth one was pretty decent As well, certainly from a spectacle point of view, uh, I'll let you tell me which is which. But I would have uh, all five uh, of the first finals as instant classics just about. Uh, And Collingwood and Frio, maybe just a couple of rungs below that in terms of the spectacle that they have been. So it was a brilliant week of finals footy and heaps to speak about coming out of it. Uh, you can do so one 736 736 on the Harcourts open line. You'll move your Harcourts, the 40 Wings, Temper Tech, 0 98 11 16 and plenty of talking points throughout the course of the day, the major discussions uh, and all the major news. You can have your say on it by getting in touch with any of those two methods. Previously, I, I want to start with something and bear with me here. <laughs> now, the results on the weekend... Uh, and if you're just uh, tuning in, you haven't really been keeping abreast of uh, what's been going on um, just over the course of the weekend with the semi-final action, which uh, started uh, on Friday night. If you missed that, uh, the Lions winning at the MCG for the first time uh, since 2014. It's uh, according to the Swamp Thing, it's the first time they've won a week two finals game since 2004. They got it over Melbourne, a team that had touched them up by 50-plus points in the two games uh, that they'd played already this year. 13-point win to the Brisbane Lions. Uh, they were 28 points down um, just before quarter time, or was it just after quarter time in that match? Uh, and then Collingwood uh, held out Fremantle by 20 points, 11-13. The Pies, they could have had that game done and dusted at quarter time. So could, so too could have the D's, who in the first quarter before uh brisbane had even registered a goal uh they had three six on the board so um that could have been put to bed too but credit to both the lions and the pies uh credit to the lions i should say to be able to rest back the momentum and get away with a 13 point win it was an incredible game and heaps of talking points out of it and collingwood just too good for Fremantle, who were just stale uh, in attack uh 0433981116 13736736 so those are the two results so that sets up what's to come this weekend Friday night Geelong and uh, and Brisbane at the MCG prelim final 1 the second prelim will be Saturday twilight at the SCG Sydney and Collingwood so the results on the weekend and the way in which the finals have unfolded i think is further proof that we've moved into a new era of footy within the new era of footy so we knew the entertainment era is that era that we're currently in. But there has been another leap forward taken. So the entertainment era, teams want to attack, fans want them to attack. The AFL, the clubs and the broadcasters pray to the footy gods for the games to be attacking games. And those prayers have been answered. And the age-old adage that the best defence wins and it's defence that wins your premierships, there's a truth to it, but it's not entirely true anymore because the two most miserly and the two top-ranked defences are out of the finals. The reigning premiers, the D's and the Dockers, beaten by teams who rank 10th and 8th for points against the Lions and the Pies. Now, the Pies do rank highly in, in, in certain KPIs defensively, but not that one. Points against, 10th and 8th. The entertainment era demands that you have to rely on your attack more than your defence. That's what that tells us now. And more so, you need to have an attack now that's in good order. So not just to go all out attack because that just won't do it anymore. You need to be multidimensional, you need to be unpredictable and you need to be efficient in attack. So in the oldie medieval times, just bear with me, when you laid siege to a castle, that's the defensive team, you just cut off their food and water supply and waited them out. And then they'd come out and you'd either just tear through them or you'd put them in chains. That to me is like the era that we've just come out of. Two teams just trying to out defend each other. One sitting behind a wall and one just waiting until you starve. And that was bloody boring. The siege tactics to defend, they were always evolving. You'd defend your walls better, you'd pour pitch down, you'd just rain arrows down. There was a whole lot of tactics defensively that evolved and got better and better. But then attacking siege tactics started to evolve. We got catapults, we started bombarding walls, throwing boulders over walls, over and over, just lobbing boulder after boulder after boulder, and eventually the wall would come down. There was no rhyme or or reason to it. There was no tactical nows to it, but you just kept throwing enough, and sooner or later it all come down. That was good, but then we improved on that even more. So different catapults... There's five different styles of catapults, by the way, different distances. They hurled different things that created the different result. Some went high and long and some went uh, short and straight. They did all kinds of different things. And then we started to aim the catapults to target the structurally weakest parts of the castle that we were trying to bring down. Then we had the crossbows that fired the grappling hooks and we tried to rip down the walls. That was another little addition of the way we attacked. The attack became just as sustained but it was more sophisticated. It was more targeted. So when you went to war, you went on the attack. You didn't hide behind your walls anymore because attack became more important than defence. So Frio are still a team that either sits behind the wall or if they do attack you, they're a team that tries to starve you. Cut off your rations, cut off your food supply, starve you out. They're the number two defensive team for points against, but they were 14th for average goals per game, 11th for average inside 50s. And whilst their efficiency inside 50 is ranked 7th at 47.8%, which means they're reasonably efficient and multidimensional when they do go forward and their tackle inside 50 numbers are good, so they created more opportunities. They just don't... They just weren't advanced enough. They just didn't advance enough. They don't lob anywhere near enough boulders. They don't attack often enough and frequently enough. Melbourne, on the other hand, they throw a heap of boulders. They're third average inside fifties, but only six for average goals per game. They rank ninth for inside 50 efficiency. So they catapult a ton of boulders. There's no real plan to it. They just keep throwing them up. There's no variation in it. They just keep throwing them up. They don't use the four other types of catapults. They don't use the crossbow with a grappling hook. Matty Lloyd said on the Sunday footy show, you can win a flag one year, but the same game style won't win you a second. They were found out by the rest of the competition. So whilst they do attack, there's no nuance to it. They haven't evolved their attack. And teams now figured out how to defend against it. That's why so many teams were able to come back at halftime against Melbourne. They gave up a lot of leads throughout the course of the year. So the four teams remaining. So both those teams were also one and two for average disposals per game. So they have a heap of boulders. They just didn't know how to use them properly or enough. The four teams that remain, Geelong, Brisbane, Sydney and Collingwood, three out of those are top four for average goals per game and top four for inside 50 efficiency. Geelong, Brisbane and Sydney. Collingwood ranked ninth for goals, ninth for inside 50s with an inside 50 efficiency rank of 16. Now that's the big concern for the Pies. So against Sydney this week, if they were to get through, they'd have to play against... Brisbane or Geelong in a grand final. So can they land enough boulders where they need to land them and where their opposition aren't expecting them to land them? Can they be efficient enough against the most efficient attacking teams in the comp? Now, in modern warfare, you can drop bombs and hope for the best or you can launch laser-guided missiles. That's what the entertainment era is all about. If you stick to the entertainment era analogy, Seinfeld and Friends are the two of the biggest shows in history, but they averaged about 20 episodes a year to have that success. That's what Melbourne were. Heaps of episodes, big ratings, but just episode after episode after episode after episode. Now TV is in a new era as well. The most watched shows and the most watched series only do 12, 10 or 8 episodes a year, but they still are as successful. That's Geelong, Brisbane and Sydney. They're more targeted, they're more efficient. It's the new phase of the entertainment era and that's a great era to be in. That's where footy's at at the moment and that's where Melbourne fell down this year. Yes, they went on the attack, but there wasn't the variation, there wasn't the nuance, and there wasn't the efficiency in the way that they went about it. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. You'll say uh, on the news of the day. Uh our good friend Muzz is calling from Jelongaday. Muzz. Hello,
0: young man. How are you and, and the little fella and your better half?
1: Uh all going well. Thanks, Muzz. Appreciate you asking.
0: I, I just want to compliment you and Mr. Berry and your your two mates from the other side of the ditch. The last three 50-over uh, games were brilliant, and the New Zealand side for the guard of honour to um, our captain was awesome. And um, I liked the way Darren Berry painted the picture of the sun, the sunset to me. It was awesome. Um, I couldn't get over how how descriptive it was, and it was just brilliant listening. I, I you know, enjoyed all three games. You were all awesome. And I just think you need a, a pat on the back, the lot of you, instead of uh, negative criticism. So I just want to thank you,
1: Muzz. Always appreciated, and we appreciate your text coming through and the way that you engage with us, mate. We we had an absolute ball doing those three one days, and they were one days of, of the highest quality too. Heaps of twists and turns, both teams in winning positions at various times of all three games, and uh, unfortunately, it's a mental stuff. It's a mental hurdle. Uh, for New Zealand, they just cannot get over in Australia at the moment. They haven't won a One Day International game here since 2009, and they've never won uh, a One Day International series. Um, Ma's always great to hear from you. Appreciate the call. Uh, Big fella has given us a bell about Jared Berry. Big fella, hello, mates. Big fella, come in. Hello, mate. Go for it.
0: Lovely to talk to you for the first time, Sam. How are
1: you, mate? I love getting your texts, uh, and it's great to speak to you for the first time in person, mate. What have you got for me?
0: I hope fatherhood going well. Hey, um, Jared Berry, if, if, if this bloke seriously still cops one week, have you, what, what do you really think, Sam? I'll let you give your view, and then I'll give my view after that. Looking at the footage, what do you really think should happen?
1: Oh, he it, it's not intentional. I I don't see how you could think that that was intentional. Did he go about, did he go out and deliberately set upon Clayton Oliver and then go about trying to eye gouge or rake his eyes? No, he didn't. He had no intention of being in that fight in the first place. Uh, Clayton Oliver started that fight. Um, Jared Berry was trying to grab his jumper with no clear line of sight to it. So he was reaching around trying to get it. You can see when he uses the same motion and he realises he doesn't have jumper, he lets go until he finds the jumper that he's searching for and then he grabs the jumper and drags Clayton Oliver off him. How you could look at that any other way, with all due respect to people that are seeing it the different way, I just can't see how you could possibly believe that that's an intentional act from Jared Berry, who only a couple of weeks ago was eye-gouged himself. So I just don't think that someone who was recently involved in an incident on the other side of it for the exact same charge, we then go about doing it a couple of weeks later.
0: It's a two-dead giveaway, Sam. A, Barry has his head on the ground and is not even looking at Oliver, all right? And the second part is, Barry has his eyes actually closed. So I don't know how, <laughs> yep. how on earth he could intentionally be saying he's gouging when he's not even looking and he cannot even see him. It, it, it's a joke, it really is.
1: Um. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't understand how... I mean, I can understand where there might be a fine because it's unnecessary. Yep, all right, I'll cop unnecessary in a fine, big fella, but I'm not coping intentional, uh, and I don't think Brisbane will either. I think they'll fight this as far as uh, they possibly can, mate. Hey, great to chat to you. You
2: too, Sammy. All
1: the best, mate. Appreciate it, big fella. Uh, Daniel's in Oakley East. Uh, Daniel, hello, mate.
3: Yeah, I'm just calling to say, I don't really agree with the whole... um the notion that we're entering this attacking era. I mean, it would be, be good to see, but just because my team, Richmond, we were the number one attack in the home and away season, but I ultimately think it was the defence and the finals
1: that let us down. So let me just have a look at the Tigers um, with your efficiency inside Ford 50, and I'm just going to see if you're top four for that. You actually might have been uh, top four for that. I don't know
3: if they um, that stat, but I know for um, total points
1: over the home and away, they're on number one. Albeit, I think just Brisbane. But... Yeah, I mean it's not the only factor, but I think it's telling when the two top-ranked defences are both out, and it's the teams that are most three out of the four teams that are most efficient in attack, are still in the finals and into prelims. So I think that 's telling and and Richmond were the second most efficient team going inside Ford fifty, but it fell apart for you in the finals i mean that that game against Brisbane, you had more inside 50s um, you, you You were statistically on top in a lot of other areas as well um, you just didn 't execute on the bigger stage, but you 're right across the course of the season yeah. you, you were in that top four for scoring and and efficiency inside fifty so you 're one hundred percent right, Daniel. It just didn't happen for you in that game, but would you agree? Yeah, guess, would you would you agree that teams are now looking to play a more expansive attacking form and a more unpredictable in attack form? That's what has improved Geelong's performance this year. I've got no doubt. Yeah,
3: I would agree in that sense. I reckon they've given a bit of time to adjust to the rule changes over the next last couple of years. But I do think that Richmond season has gone down the drain due to, um, you know, lacking that continuity of personnel and defence. Yeah, you know, Grimes being in and out of the site. And then you've got other guys getting injured all the time.
1: Hey, I'm not saying defence isn't important. Yeah. What I'm saying is that I love that it's not the be-all and end-all. It's not the only priority. We've come out of a, a period of footy where teams tried to out-defend each other. The moment we had the phrase, they defend with the footy in their hand, oh... That's that's just code for we're going to try and bore you to death. Um, so what I'm saying is, it's from a fan point of view, from a broadcast point of view, from an overall game point of view, this is a far more exciting brand of footy that's being played and it's being played in a more nuanced way it's being played in, in you know the attacking tactics that are being employed at the moment are fascinating now the analogy is as wide way out there as possible there's some people who have really not liked it and want me to stop immediately others understand what I'm on about it's just a way of trying to make a point but the point is there that the foot but that the football is better than it has been in such a long time this is the best final series I can remember seeing five out of the six games uh, five of the best games that we've seen all year and that's what you want your finals to be daniel
3: yeah absolutely
1: mate love the call and appreciate it and love that when people disagree they want to ring you up and say hey i don't agree with that because that's sort of what adults do um little children just text abuse from the basement that's about as far as we'll go with that but adults ring up to have a conversation and a debate Which category are you in? For some of the people off the text, (laughs) one 736 736 Uh, Dan, stay right there. Luke, I'll get to you in in a minute as well. This is the Macca's Run. Score a one in four chance to win the Monopoly game at Macca's. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. Score a one-in-four chance to win with the Monopoly game at Mackers. Uh, 1-300-736-736. Harcourt's open line is always that. Your move, your Harcourts. Tracy, thank you for your message. I appreciate it. 433 The 40 Winks temper text. Uh, Michael says, uh, Barry incident wasn't intentional. Why would MRO give him weeks straight up? Straight up, oh, think Barry gets off it wrong. Uh, I'm just reading that one uh, verbatim. Uh, off the text, defensive has never been more important. Defence is still incredibly important. And if you go back and have a look over the course of the last 10 to 15 years, most premiers uh, have been ranked top four for offence and top four for defence. And if both teams are, yeah, the defensive team, I think it just leans towards a team with a high ranked defence. But what I'm saying is we're in an era now where it's not the be-all and end-all. The two top-ranked defences are out. And it's because they couldn't get themselves sorted in attack. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Dan's in Wodonga. He wants to speak about exactly that. Dan, hello, mate. Good evening, Sammy. How you doing, mate? Good, buddy. What have you got for me? Mate, I think I'm hearing what you're saying, and I'm going to try it in a different
2: analogy. Go for it's it. Like I love a, a
1: good analogy, <laughs> even bad it's ones like, like, a- like mine.
2: No, no, no! I reckon we'll. I reckon we go all right. I reckon. Don't worry about the analogies. It's, it's, it's all part of it. That's how we. That's how we compute these things.
1: Absolutely. Hey,
2: so what I was. What I'm thinking is, is, is. You know, let's go. You, you're down the bottom of the ladder. You're a young fellow who's getting picked on, and you decide you're going to go and start. Boxing, right? Yep. So you, you're you going to start boxing. So you've got to start training. You've got to start building yourself up. You've got to start doing weights. You've got to do all that sort of stuff. You've got to get right the way through that. Eventually, your trainer says, I'm going to jump you, I'm going to throw you in the ring. You don't just go in there and start Muhammad Ali, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, do yep. you? No. You slowly work your way into it. You take a little bit of a defense. You take a little bit of a hit. You yep. do a bit of that. But on the same token, you learn when it's time to go, I've taken a hit, I've taken a hit, bang, bang, here's my couple of hits. And you've got to learn when to do, when to do those hits. Eventually, the good sides will know the good splits of knowing when to defend and when to attack. Yep. And they're the best ones and they're the ones that are going to make it through.
1: I love that analogy, Dan, because you often see in a boxing bout that there's someone who throws a ton of punches and lands SFA of them. It's the player that knows not only how to punch, it's when to punch, um, which is important as well. Their punch efficiency. You know, people used to speak a lot about Floyd Mayweather and love Floyd Mayweather. And I used to get bored to death watching Floyd Mayweather have an utmost respect for him as a boxer, not any in any other facet. And the record is incredible. But to watch it and the people say, oh, you just don't understand the sweet science and all that, that's fine. But I want to be entertained. Nothing entertaining about yeah. the way that Floyd Mayweather fought. Yeah. Yes, he had that record, but it was boring. As you know, what? So I'm, uh, th- that's the point that I'm trying to make. And I think I think you're on the same page as me, mate. Uh, I-, I love your work. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Dan's in Bow Morris. Hello, mates.
2: Yeah, good day, Sam. I was um, chatting with uh, Dad earlier today and wrapped that uh, Collingwood's. One at least one final this year, considering where we were meant to be positioned. Mm. He brought up the subject. Um, you know, the committee that appointed Collingwood. Um, I tell you what, whoever they are, I don't know who they are. But I tell you what, that committee that appointed Craig McRae as Collingwood coach, you know, hats off to them.
1: Absolutely, Dan. Stay with me. I'll come back to you on the other side of this break. Welcome to the Mackers Run with Sam Hargraves. Score a one in four chance to win with the Monopoly game at Maccas. Uh, welcome back to the Mackers Run, whichever category uh, you fall into. It is wonderful to have your company, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us, you can score a one in four chance to win with a Monopoly game at Mackers. Plenty to go through for the major discussion points from across the day. We'll jump into those in just a moment and a lot of opinions on what Fate awaits. Jared Berry, uh, Brisbane have decided to take that MRO finding uh, to the Tribunal to get that intentional charge and in the one-week suspension downgraded uh, and hopefully walk away with just a, a fine. So um, that will be the biggest story to unfold tomorrow uh, at the Tribunal. And we'll follow that live tomorrow night uh, on the Macca's Run uh, and on the Sporting Capital. Dan Zimbo, Morris. day, Dan. You were just talking before the yeah, break about again. Collingwood um, and wanting to give kudos to the board that appointed um, Craig McRae.
2: Yeah, just uh, the, uh, no, the coaching subcommittee that uh, put his name forward because obviously it's been an absolute miraculous and beautiful result for all Collingwood
1: fans this year. Absolutely. I mean, so Swamp Thing tweeted um, over the weekend that the lowest position ever that an AFL side has finished one year to be in a prelim the next is Collingwood, who finished seventeenth last year. So it is the greatest turnaround in the AFL era from one year to the next. Um, they had a lot of the pieces. Matt Rendell is going to join me after seven thirty. He'll talk about the fact that they had a lot of the pieces there, but. Um, what Craig McRae has been able to do and the way in which he's been able to do it, Dan. I mean, they have become a thoroughly likeable and enjoyable team to watch. The joy of which Craig McRae seems to get out of footy is contagious. There's an old adage, you know, attitudes are contagious, is yours worth catching? Well, his absolutely is. And the whole team have caught it. The whole team have caught it. You know, Kane had a crack at the way that they over-celebrated during home and away. I love the way they over-celebrated during home and away because... You see Craig McRae celebrating that way and they're going to feed off his energy. He just loved what he was seeing from his side and the fact that every time they celebrated, they did that with the fans. So the Collingwood Army feels like they're brought along with this. It's not insular. It's not... You know, I remember when, when Sydney were at their very best and the whole and we when we revere the blood's culture, but it was very internal, it was very insular. No one was allowed in the rooms and it was all sort of within the four walls and it was you know, we, 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 we get in a bubble and that's what our, we we really stick tight to each other. This is open doors, families in the rooms, kids in the song, go and celebrate goals with the crowd when the siren sounds and Jamie Elliott's kicked a winner after the siren, we're in amongst the crowd doing it, and they're all part of it. So oh, I absolutely love it, Dan. It's a great call from you. They do deserve a heap of credit for, for making the choice to maybe, uh, to, to take, I don't think it was a risk because his apprenticeship is so thorough. Um, but it, yeah, you're right. Brilliant decision from Collingwood. He's the coach of the year. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. So the Jared Berry incident, speaking of that, uh, Nathan Buckley gave his view this morning uh, on SEN Breakfast.
3: I hope the kid can play in the prelim. I really do. You know, I, I don't know exactly how it's going to pan out, but I, I mean... I know it's it's probably not on the balance of it. I actually I, I think he, I think he, what he, what happened is, is worth a week. But I geez, I hope he, I hope we well, find a way to get it there.
1: That was Nathan Buckley today. Uh, this was David King. In somewhere inside of me says it's it's not
4: a suspendable offence for a final. And I know that you have to tick all the boxes and you have you have to get to those you have to arrive there the right in the right manner. But I, d- I just don't feel like that's a suspendable offence, what, what Jarrah Berry did on the weekend. Now, th- now I know that's, that doesn't meet any standards, but I think it's I think it's careless rather than intentional. He hasn't really inflicted any damage to the player. Um, had he? Four weeks. H- had he have raked the eyes and gouged? If it's proper gouging. A month. No problem. But I-, I don't think it was that. So I- I'm hoping... For Brisbane's sake and for Jared's sake, that they see it the same way. They say it's, it's careless, it's not a good look, and there's the
1: fine. David King on the means test with Jared Waitley uh, every Monday morning uh, from 9am. Um, this was Scott Pendlebury speaking on Triple M today, the Collingwood captain, when he was asked uh, about the incident.
0: I feel for him because it's when someone's got the, their elbow in your head pushing you into yeah. the ground... Yeah. I know if I was in issues, you're trying to grab or do whatever you can. It's almost like you're trying. You know, when you're a little kid, you're trying to pull him over you and get him in a headlock. Mm. I just thought he was trying to grab like jumper, hair, whatever you can. People say like, um, you know, he knew exactly what I was doing there, and I was like, let me put my forearm (laughs) in your (laughs) in your your, cheekbone, drive it into the ground, and then see how calculated. You like that little kid, you know, when you get pinned by your brother, you just get that rage Mm. fit, you just want to whatever you can to get him off me. So I thought he was just doing whatever he can, like trying to reach for like the neck of the jumper. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, he got him near the eye. There we go. Salient.
1: <laughs> just measured and perceptive. 100% right, Scott Pendlebury. You're 100% right. How on earth we're seeing what Jared Berry did as intentional? I, I don't, I cannot, cannot figure that out. Maybe it's me. But if if Scott Pendlebury's seen it the same way I am, then I'll take comfort in that. But how? How on earth we can look at that all look at the same thing and think that Jared Berry intentionally tried to rake the eyes and eye gouge Clayton Oliver? I, I, I just cannot see it. I cannot see it. Um... One three hundred seven three six seven three six. All the analysis today from the weekend semi final action. We'll start with uh, David King, who, who spoke about Melbourne, and, and I spoke about Melbourne. You know, still number one average inside fifties in the competition, but their efficiency was down sixth or seventh uh, in the competition. So, what was the issues? And they were well discussed and analysed issues throughout the course of the year about their inability to connect inside Ford fifty. David King spoke about that today on the means test with Jerry Whateley. So I, I think they'd look back and say we didn't
4: experiment enough there and we probably didn't experiment enough in the midfield. Like if Damien Harbick was coaching Melbourne on the weekend and Oliver was being tagged out of the game and, and Petrarca was going okay without being brilliant, Viney was just going and Max was just going, Rich would just go, woof, throw Baker in, throw Short in, throw Pickett in, let's go, move Edwards to half four. They, they spin the magnets. And they, try and they try and make a change that sparks a response. Now, I'm not saying it's all doom and gloom because I thought they should have been six goals up halfway through the second quarter.
1: David King, Nathan Buckley spoke about the Melbourne attacking system as well. Well,
3: I thought the last 10 minutes of the, of the first quarter, Brisbane actually started squaring up. They definitely Statistically, they s- squared up contested ball. Yep. And they needed to because whenever the ball went yeah, forward for Melbourne, you know, Brisbane's defenders weren't getting the job done. So ultimately what ended up happening was that the the pressure brought to bear by the Mid- Brisbane midfielders and high forwards actually gave their defence a bit of a chop out. Mm. And then by the end of the game, when Melbourne went forward into their forward 50, it was like a different game. Like they had all the space in the world in the first 15 minutes yeah. and they could not find any time or space against the Brisbane defence and rollback midfielders in that second half How when it looked like they were going to be able to... How-
1: that was Nathan Buckley uh, on the Buck Stops here. Always worth a listen on the podcast, sen.com.au to do that. Uh, Gary Lyon uh, spoke about the amount of leads that Melbourne gave up during the course of the season.
4: Which is, for the for Melbourne, as I said, there may be nothing in what I'm saying or it might be just a tiny half a percent when you sit down and reflect on it and say, were you, were you as hungry? Were you as prepared to do every single thing? Well, when I'm looking at all these leads they get to and they give it up, I start to
1: question... So Gary Lyon, one of Melbourne's greatest ever. And that was a theme that came up through the course of the year. At one stage this year, um, no one had had more final quarter leads than than Melbourne. Um, I would need to go back and have a look at the numbers and just go back and get the exact number of leads at final quarter or halftime leads that they had during the year in games that they lost. But but it is a significant number. Um, David King also analysed the way Brisbane uh, went about it. They've played tentative football for me. And tentative
4: doesn't win premierships. So release the shackles with ball movement and go after the footy. It was, it was the second half on the weekend. Does it make them a scary proposition next week against Geelong? I've had no idea. We, we don't know. Um, but, but that version of Brisbane is far better than the one we'd seen for the previous month or two.
1: David King also spoke about Dane Zorko's leadership in the game. You know, I think that, I think that
4: Dane Zorko's leadership, and we've been critical of Dane... On this program over the last couple of weeks, but there's a couple of moments where um, they showed him after a center bounce and it was in the, it was in the second quarter, it was late second quarter, about, about five or six minutes to go. And he's openly challenging Harris Andrews and a couple around him to do to do more, to get better in game. And I thought, wow, this is good. I thought this is this is what the captain should be doing. this is really good. And then he was able to then narrow the focus and 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 do things himself that um, that shifted the course of the game. He was clean, he was one touch, he, he ran and created, he absorbed the physical attention that came come at him um, on, on two or three occasions. He got some afters, he got some extras, um, and he just accepted that. I thought that's, you know, credit to you, because we haven't always seen that from him. So I thought he handled that really, really well.
1: That was David King on Dane Zorko's leadership. It was always going to be a touch point of this game. It was always going to be under the microscope, and I think King nailed it. One three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. So Friday night, Cats Lions uh, from the MCG. Uh, so the other semi final, Collingwood uh, holding out Fremantle, a game that almost could have been over at uh, quarter time if Collingwood had a kick straight. Uh, Nathan Buckley gave his view of the Pies' performance.
3: No, comprehensive was the word I think to describe that performance from Collingwood, and and um, yeah, Craig McRae's words are, are right. I think they this year Collingwood have continued to get better and better, and oh. there's been a um, yeah, you know, there's been a consolidated effort. With the go-forward football and the capacity to be able to... Um, how do you balance your contest and your defence around that? Um, but that was... I don't think Fremantle didn't turn up. I don't think Fremantle played poorly, but they just weren't allowed to play well. Uh,
1: King spoke about Fremantle's ball movement. I don't know. I think it's too simplistic
4: to say that some didn't handle it. I, I, I think that Justin Longmule should be ringing Chris Scott and saying, okay... You played this brand of football for six years. It didn't work. What forced you to make the big change in 2022? Why did you go from a controlled game to a chaos game? Which is an unbelievable shift. And if Justin Longmule doesn't make that call, he will waste five years.
1: Sage, advice it would seem from Kingy to the point earlier about where footy is being won and lost uh, at the moment. The two top defensive teams for the season, both out. Uh, before the preliminary final. Um, so, Jordan Ngoi, um if you have a look at the coaches' votes, which I'll read to you now, which will take us into this next uh, discussion point from across the day. So, the coaches' votes for the Gary Ayres medal for the best finals player uh, have come through this afternoon. Melbourne and Brisbane, nine votes for Jared Berry uh, and nine votes for Eric Hipwood, who kicked four. Jared Berry had four disposals to, uh, to half-time. He then got shifted onto Clayton Oliver, Um, and ended up with 26 for the game, Um, nine contested out of his 22 in the second half. He had uh, telling clearances. He was involved in big moments uh, in the game. He was able to even out-muscle Clayton Oliver uh, at points to to win contested ball at at pivotal moments and uh, run and carry and deliver deep inside forward 50. Uh, He was phenomenal in that role. And to to get a win over Clayton Oliver might just be, I think... uh, between Clayton Oliver and Lockie Neal to get a win over either one of those from a tagging point of view and be able to actually do it on the offensive end of that defensive assignment. I don't think there's any tougher tasks in football right now than trying to tag Lockie Neal or Clayton Oliver and um, Jared Berry was just huge so nine votes for him. Eric Kipwood probably the best game he's played. Uh, he had the better of Steve May and again there's not many people that can say that either. Lockie Neal the five, Dan Rich uh, had the three Harrison Petty. Geez he did some amazing things in that game defensively and then he almost turned the game on its head with the goal that he kicked and the goal assist that he provided in the last quarter. Uh, he was phenomenal. And Christian Petrarca is going to feature in the Heroes and Villains. Could barely walk that man and still, I think, had 16 um, disposals to half halftime. Um, he was – he just was – I mean, all heart. All heart, Christian Petrarca. And Hugh McCluggage, that goal at three-quarter time, Um that was massive, and he got the one vote. For Collingwood and Fremantle, Jordan Goey got the 10 votes. Jack Crisp got eight. Jeremy Howe got the three, with Scott Pendlebury and Darcy Moore had three as well. Caleb Sarong, two. And uh, Andy Brayshaw from the Dockers got one. So Jordan DeGowie and Lockheed Neal, both on 15 votes, are leading the Garrieres medal. Uh, Caleb Sarong on 12. Steve May on 10 and then Barry Hipwood, Darcy Moore, Gary Rowan on 9, uh, Jack Crisp, Hugh McCluggage Luke Parker and Scott Pendlebury uh, with 8 votes in the Gary's medal so Jordan Ngoi was discussed today uh, and Kingy gave his view given that Jordan Ngoi is still negotiating his next contract
4: well, now Jordan Ngoi has been a talking point and will be a talking point for every day of his career the worth of, uh, of Ngoi right now in terms of not just winning home and away games, not just winning bland games of football, of actually winning finals, is through the roof. Now, I don't care what number, in terms of what dollar figure you want to put on it, but the gap between this guy in your team and this guy not in your team is huge. And right. if you're on 800, if that's what it is, again, I'll I'm, I'm say this, I don't know the figures, then that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to turn up and play and be in the best four or five players in a final.
1: So... David King and Gary Lyon, both with their views on Jordan Ngoi. Kingy thinks that he's added uh, a few more zeros, and Gary Lyon said that's exactly what Jordan Ngoi should be doing for the money that he's already on. Um, Cam Guthrie from the Cats, after their week off, was uh, on with Gary and Bucks today, uh, and he spoke about uh, the way that they're playing a more attacking brand of footy this year. There, yeah, I think, um,
0: yeah, there is going to be times where we do slow the game down, and Um, keep some tempo on it, but at the same time we want to fight fire with fire. Um, We've got um, a really good look um, with our forwards, the way they set up and um, the abilities they bring, so if we can give them a chance and um, get down there quickly at times um, to some one-on-ones and um, get get the opposition out the back, I think it's a great look for us. So, uh, We definitely are trying to score. I think we missed a few shots early, which uh, would have been nice to um, go through to steady the nerves a little bit, but um, yeah, Collingwood came out and they were really good early, and it made it difficult for us. As I guess, um, I guess our record um, over the last little while um, isn't outstanding, so um, we're 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 aware of that. But as I said before, um, we can't change that, so we go in um, knowing we've we've had really solid preparation. I mean, when it gets down to the last four teams, um, you know it's not going to be an easy match um, by any stretch. So. Um, the best four teams are left, and, and we're lucky to be one of those. And um, Brisbane were really impressive uh, the other night, particularly in that second half. I thought um, some of their, I guess, contested ball wins and important contests um, really stood out to me. So we'll have to really match them in that area and um, yeah, and, 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 and beat them as well.
1: Cam Guthrie, SEN Breakfast today, au to hear the full chat. Sam's on the road, wants to talk Jared Berry. Hello, mate.
2: Yeah, good afternoon. Oh, good evening. Um, I reckon what what
4: Oliver did was actually pretty low. Um, not really good for his reputation.
0: One, he instigated that confrontation. And two, um, he actually ran over to the umpire to point out what Barry had done to him. And, and the guy was actually acting in self-defense when you look at it in hindsight. Um, that's a pretty bad situation to be in, being lying on the
4: ground with someone leaning on you with their full weight, with their elbow into your neck. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, I reckon it's not a good look for all of us, actually.
2: Um, so, yeah, un- unfortunately, if, if Barry gets rubbed out for that week, um, it's pretty unfair, actually.
1: Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the call, Sam. It's interesting. Uh, I think it was Paddy Dangerfield speaking about the players' code, or was that Robbo last week? Players' code used to mean that you don't try to dob in opposition players. <laughs> that code might be out the window now. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Uh Lindsay is calling from Somerville. G'day, Lindsay.
0: Hey, Sam, how are you, mate? I'm well, thanks
4: um, for asking. Let's declare up front... No, that's great, mate. Um, let's declare up front I'm a prison supporter, so I'm, I'm biased. But let's go through it. Oliver soaked up because he got beaten again. He instigated the scuffle. He prolonged the scuffle. He could have stopped the scuffle at any time. When Barry's hands ended up his face, he stayed there. He could have got up and, and and stopped it earlier, you know? Now... I remember once I got in the scuffle at school and a guy pinned me on the ground and stuck his elbow in my throat. Never been so distressed in my life. I was punching this guy in the head as hard as I could. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Oliver was totally responsible for that confrontation. And I'm sure Jared Berry would have been feeling very vulnerable having his his
1: face and his windpipe crushed by a 90-kilo bloke. Yeah, uh, look, it's... I agree that the instigation was Clayton Oliver's what the tribunal are going to look at. It won't be any of that, I don't think. It'll just be whether this is intentional or not. Now, it will be factored in how they came to be in the position that they are, but he won't get off because he didn't start the fight. He'll get off because they'll be able to prove that it wasn't intentional. That's what this will come down to. It just wasn't intentional. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Appreciate the call, Lindsay, and love the passion uh, as well. Nothing wrong with being in a scuffle. But whether it was intentional or not, that's the part that's up for debate. Hey, uh, there's plenty of other things making news in sport. We'll update you on a few other things that have been going on throughout the course of the day as well before we get into the sporting capital and heroes and villains at seven. This is the Macca's Run. Score a one in four chance to win with a Monopoly game at Macca's. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. Score a one-in-four chance to win with the Monopoly game at Macca's. He's
2: done it. It's officially the age of Alcaraz.
1: A US Open
0: champion and number one in the world. Riding home. It has been a long time. 2014 was his first NTT IndyCar Series championship. He is a
1: long way from home, a long way from Toowoomba, Queensland, Australia. But Will Power joins some very famous names as a two-time NTT IndyCar Series champion. Power has done it. Oh, man. It sounds surreal. Honestly, it sounds surreal. Uh, So the first grab, Carlos Alcaraz, winning his first major and going to number one in the world at the age of 19, uh he beat casper Ruud um uh in four sets and the other one will power his second indycar title the aussie from queensland so congratulations to both of those gents as we just uh take a little look around from some other news uh in sport from across the day uh we're going to be uh coming back after seven um with the sporting capital but before we do that uh, jeanette's in taylor's hill good day jeanette
2: hi Don, how are you
1: going i'm well thanks for asking
2: um, I just um, want to touch up on um, the scuffle situations. Mm. Um, I just want to say that when Jeremy Howell... Oh, no, no, sorry, Jeremy Cameron. looked Marlon Pickett straight in the eye and gouged him while he was looking at him. Nothing was said about that. He got a $1,000 fine and it was done and dusted. But when Jared... His, oh, yeah, Jared Berry, he was in a tangle, like he was pinned to the ground and he was just reaching up, trying to grab at anything, and then they're making, a, making out that he eye-gouged him. And he's going to get a weak suspension. I just don't understand the double standards and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, Jeanette, I appreciate the call. And, and I didn't actually think, and I'll respectfully disagree with on the Jeremy Cameron, I actually don't think he meant that, but that was just my interpretation of it. I 100% agree with you um, about the Jared Berry situation. I just don't see it being intentional.